Welcome to Network Wimsa's podcast. In August, as part of our Women's Month Drive, we hosted a breakfast at Anglo-American Centre for Experiential Learning, and our speaker was Ramisha Motilal. We had such an overwhelming response to her talk that we decided to capture some of her key messages in the podcast, for those of you who couldn't make it. Ramisha is an author, speaker, and coach, and her MBA dissertation asked the question, do women add a competitive advantage in the mining sector? And her book is called Women at Work, My Journey into a Macho World. Please introduce yourself and tell us more about your journey through this macho world of mining. Thank you for this opportunity. It's a real honor to be associated to WIMSA, Women in Mining South Africa. And I'm one of your biggest fans. I follow you guys and really appreciate all that you're doing for women. My journey started uh, in the mining sector around about seven years ago. And I come from different sectors, as in um, gas industry, automotive. And I was smacked, bang, and surprised when I entered the mining sector because life was not as normal as it usually was. I experienced my ups and downs with regards to sexism and racism and inclusion and the general biasness. Uh, And I just felt that there is not much being done about women in the mining sector. And so over the years, I've just gathered what's happened happened to me and looked at what coping mechanisms I used. And eventually it became a full book because I completed my MBA dissertation on do women add a competitive advantage in the mining sector. And a lot of the research was used at my current organization and different organizations. And I found that there were some valuable insights that we could share. So so that's my journey so far. And right now I'm a coach, I'm a speaker and an author about uh, Women at Work, my journey into Macho World. I just want to contribute to women advancing in their careers. I think my journey has been pretty similar. been in the mining sector for, I think, around about 20 years already. And when you start off as a young geologist or geophysicist in my case, you didn't quite know whether the behavior of others towards you was acceptable or correct, or that's just the way it is in the mining industry. And only after a couple of years, you start going, well, that's actually unacceptable. You know, the the things that that are actually happening to you are not right. The way that I've decided to give back is to do is through mentoring. So I've got a couple of mentees at at work and they're going through the same things still after 20 years. So they're still going through certain things where they go, you know, should I say something about this or should I not say something? Or So that's my way of giving back to go, you know, that's actually acceptable or actually that's fine, just suck it up and do your work. You know, <laughs> that's it's thing. absolutely true, Petro. And you know what's really unique about being in the mining sector is it's exciting, it's challenging, it's new. So those are all the pros. Where we really on the back foot is the progress we're making in the industry. And similar to you, I started mentoring ladies because my initial response was, whoa, I don't think I'm supposed to be in this mining sector. This stuff is hard. You know, I don't fit in. I'm I'm my own person and I'm trying to be, you know, like one of the guys, but it's not working out and I'm just me. And I trialed and errored many things. And only when I started having dialogues with other women did I also pick up that, whoa, this is common. We're all experiencing the same thing. And that's how I started mentoring little, um, you know, few ladies at a time on Friday afternoons. And eventually we started putting leaning circles together and started talking about having difficult discussions, how to be more strategic, how to find mentors, how to go through the whole mentorship process. And it got me really thinking about what's the research behind this? How many women are going through this? 
And if we're in the sector, then what do we contribute? And that brings me to, you know, my my topic of um, what women actually bring. And most of the financial performance that contribute to organizations is really about return on equity. So we've done, I've done a lot of research on what value women add. And from all the companies that I've researched, it's proven that when you have a gender balanced board, it is proven that organizations outperform their competitors on three key financial metrics, and that is return on equity. So companies outperform those by 53%. Um, increase on sales. So companies with gender balanced boards outperform competitors by at least 42% on increase in sales. And return on capital investment, um, they outperformed competitors by 66%. So the research is there. The question is, why are there so few? few female executives in the mining sector. And what do you think the answer to that question is? It's really a long discussion to go through. But what I really believe in is we hold back ourselves with key things like not having direction, not understanding what you need to do from a corporate point of view to advance in your career, not having the right mentors, and also not just being brave and courageous and believing in ourselves. So I think there's a lot of things we can do ourselves in order to contribute to the sector. But overall, the survey and my studies have proven that it's really an old boy network. We lack equitable training for women. Uh, the job characteristics are not considerate, you know, based on what women require. There's also a lack of support. There's lack of mentoring. Um, Childcare responsibilities feature extensively. Inclusivity is a big problem. And there's also a huge lack of role models. One of the reasons why we established the WIMSA is exactly for some of those reasons. So uh, one of them is that we wanted to create a place where women could go and network and find role models, find people they could speak to, uh, find people that they, they could mentor them. And I think over the past couple of years, we've really got that right. Um, um, it's a place we can go, which is not an old boys club. It's also not a place where you go and drink tea. So somebody the other day said to me, oh, I don't like these women's things because it's like a tea drinking around the table and that sort of thing. And Wimsa is not that either. We have real good content. We have people come speak to us. We have mentoring circles and all sorts of networking events. And I think they're really well organized. And it's a good place for us to find people who are in similar situations to us to be able to tell our stories um, and also just to find inspiration. I think it's really important that we have a wider circle. And if the boys network is available for the guys to advance, it's imperative that we find some strategic alignment within the female network to advance ourselves. And I talk a lot about this in my book uh, around what can we do and how do we leverage the opportunities we have and how do we change that mindset to incorporate the things that females require in order to advance in a engineering career. We're still very far off. Although we've made some progress, there's currently only 20% of women in the engineering field globally. So we've made some headway when it comes to technical training. So if you look at uh, 2013, there was roughly 13% of females that were trained. And now in 2018, that's advanced to 17%. Although we can celebrate the progress, 
I feel that there's so much more we can do. And so some of the things I talk about in my book is simple things that we can do to adjust uh, the way we see things, how, what's our perspective, uh, how we should react and how we should take on different challenges to contribute. And, and I'd like to touch on three today and hopefully the ladies will, will enjoy that. Getting back to um, what you said about us standing in our own ways, I think that's something that a lot of ladies struggle with is that you don't believe in yourself. So you, you want to go for a position, but you go, oh, I can't do that. You know? And if you could just get past that barrier and start believing in yourself, it's actually, it makes a huge difference. It's yeah. so true. And, and one of the things we did in, at the talk was really some affirmations for the ladies. A lot of them reached out to me to say, okay, how can I use this? Because it's really important that we affirm to ourselves that we can do this. That And the moment you start influencing your subconscious mind, it becomes a realistic um, event in your life. So, yes, you're spot on. And I love the ladies. The questions were so appropriate. Mm. But you're absolutely right. If we can start believing in ourselves and we understand the contribution we make, we can do whatever we can to make an impact in mining. So let's get back to the three things that women can do from tomorrow to start advancing in their careers. I think we have roughly about 10 different rules that I've applied that has assisted me. But I'd like to touch on, on three critical ones that I think ladies could use immediately. And something that's really important is we take care of everybody and we need to ask ourselves this question. I'm really guilty of this. We we're always the nurturer. So if you're the type of person that's always taking care of your mum, your dad, your kids, your neighbour, your boss, your colleagues, it's just it's just overwhelming. And if you're constantly the person that's exhausted, the, the thing that's missing from that equation is you because everybody else is taken care of, but you seldom have the time to consider what you need to advance. And when we look at this from a career perspective, you need to look at, what is needed as a senior executive? You need to be resilient. You need to be strategic. And all these things require time. And what I encourage ladies to do is change from being, my rule number one is exhaustion versus self. And I encourage them to just be a bit more selfish. Consider what's happening in their lives and just take stock of it and say, okay, so I'm doing the kids, I'm doing groceries, I'm doing mom, dad, everybody. What can I do to make some adjustments so I can get time for myself? For instance, if you're considering a different role, what studies would you require? Could you get somebody to babysit in between? Could you get an au pair? I know these things are quite expensive, but what resources is available so that you can advance or find the time so you can find time for yourself in advancing? The other part is also how can you be more strategic? Where do you want to go in your career? What adjustments do you and hubby need to make or your current um, situation? I'm, I'm sure that most people don't have kids or, or are single, but we need to see what social activities can we cut down? What online courses can we do to gain that growth mindset we need to move forward in our career? And how do we become more resilient about that? It's not bad to say no to people. We're usually just people pleasers. And this rule is really important. If you need to reflect on yourself and just look at, Am I exhausted all the time? Is everybody coming to me with their problems? At the end of the day, how do I feel? Can I take on more or 
you know, do I need to step back a bit? So this rule is really important. It's about exhaustion versus self, where I'm encouraging you guys to be very selfish, just a little selfish for now. Put your career plan in place, understand what adjustments you need to do, and just be resilient around. That's the first step. I think it's just understanding where you want to go. A lot of people don't, and probably men and women, um, sometimes don't take that little bit of time to reflect on what it is that you want. It, there's a lot of young people that you ask them, where do you want to, what do you want to do? Where do you want to end up? What is your sort of path you want to follow? And I think the first step towards it is it just, uh, at least understanding what it is that you like doing and don't like doing and mapping that out and then understanding where it is you, you think you'd like to end up. And only when you, when you know what it is that you want to do is when you can start mapping your path to, to getting there. And that requires self-reflection as well. You have to sit down and just think about what it is that you actually want to achieve so and, then, true. and then map it. And you know, the other part is there's so much research that I've done on, on women and we basically do 50% more household duties and childcare than our male counterparts, although things are changing. I think there's still a lot we can do. So... There's a lot of advancement, but we also take on a lot subconsciously. We just take on the baggage as we are. So it's important that we understand if you're going to have the kids and you're going to have the spouses, that upfront we plan how this is going to plan out. Because what happens is after you take care of your kids and you reach a middle age and then you start looking at your career, and, hey, it's too late. So I like to encourage ladies to just... Reflect, be a little selfish, get the help you need, but plan what your life needs to be like. I recently read the book, um, The Moment of Lift by Melinda Gates. Yes. And in that book, she she talks about paid versus unpaid work and that women do the lion's share of unpaid work in the relationship. And um, they did this interesting exercise with communities in Africa somewhere and they did the role reversal. So they said, okay, you now act as a woman and you act as the man. And now, now you'll see what the, what the female experience is. And it was quite funny because what would happen is when the female would act out what the male's doing, she would just be standing out giving shouting orders, like, now do this, now do that, now do this. And it, it opened up a lot of their husband's eyes to all of the unpaid work that they are, have to do on a daily basis. And that's sort of where we can move towards um, closer gender parity, I guess. It's so true because we don't actually look at it. We really just take it on subconsciously and off we go. The, the second rule that's really important for me is really about being modest. Uh, I notice that most ladies are quite modest in terms of, you know, who they are. For instance, the way they look and when they receive compliments, generally, if you're a modest person and somebody tells you, wow, you look really great, and you'd probably say, no, this old little dress, you know, I've, I've just thrown it on. And we're just not comfortable with accepting compliments. We're not comfortable with feeling good or, you know, taking the self-promotion. And if you're a type of person that's really uncomfortable and you have difficulty taking compliments, you will also be having difficulties in your career when it comes to promotions and talking about self-promotion, what you've done and the successes you've had in your career. And my second rule that I'd like to encourage ladies to, to utilize is really Modesty versus your personal mojo. So what I mean by your personal mojo is you should get comfortable with self-promotion. 
nobody is going to promote you. Uh, nobody is going to say, oh, Ramesh has done such a good job. I think she's ready. You need to do this. You need to quantify the facts. You need to quantify the advancements you've done and, and take stock of this on a regular basis. I like to encourage my ladies every single month, look at your goals, look at where you are and, and check what you've succeeded, um, what you've succeeded with and celebrate that. Usually when you celebrate the little wins, you feel better about yourself and you start growing more comfortable with accepting more compliments and believing in yourself. And the, the other thing is really something I call sneaky bragging. And what I mean by this is people hate people that brag overall and, you know, they just exaggerate things. I'm not talking about exaggeration. I'm talking about really honestly talking about what you're doing. And an example for, for me is really about getting other people. If you're not comfortable with self-promotion, get other people to brag for you. So there's some ways that we can do this. And it would be via a colleague, for instance, if you got um, a really good deal and you want to celebrate it. And a colleague of yours could say, hey, did you know Petro landed this big deal? I think we should all celebrate. It's somebody. It's coming from somebody else. So if you're uncomfortable with self-promotion, let's use other avenues. When you exaggerate, I'm not asking people to exaggerate. Exaggerate is pretending that something is more than it is. That is wrong. I think that is really being, you know, too arrogant. And I want women just to be comfortable with the small wins. Start celebrating in different ways. For instance, if you land, um, for instance, a deal that you've negotiated and the customer pops you an email, it's, it would be nice for you to forward that to the senior management team and saying, Hey guys, we, we landed this deal. Great job for everybody. And that's just a nice way of you getting some recognition, but in a sneaky, braggy way. So, so this is the different tools I think, um, helps women, you know, come out of their shell and just be comfortable with not being modest, but getting some personal mojo in. Yeah. So it's not really about bragging, I guess, but more acknowledgements of success. And I think we're pretty bad with that. So we just think that's part of our job um, and we don't celebrate that. And I think it would be good if any accomplishment is celebrated. At least tell people what you've, what you've done because they won't know. Most people don't, aren't keeping track of your day-to-day -day work that you are doing. So it's good to acknowledge yourself and the ones that helped you to get there. You know, I, I really look at um, some of the things that women do that really bring them down is, you know, they feel that... They feel that the way they project themselves is good enough. And if you don't tell people what you've done, and if you're always too nice, and usually this was my problem, where I would always want consensus, I always want everyone to be happy. And unfortunately, people that keep everyone happy are not the ones that get the promotions. And only when I was overlooked for certain promotions did I stop and ask myself, okay, what am I doing wrong? And based on the feedback, people would say, but you know what, you, you can't do the hard stuff because I'm always building consensus. I'm always trying to keep the harmony. So, so these are different things that we need to be cognizant of. If you want to move ahead in your career, especially in mining, you need to be prepared to do the hard stuff, prove the numbers that you can do what you can, uh, what you're capable of and, um, and really try and, you know, advance out of your shell. So you've got to also be quite strategic. Something that's really worked for me is I would go to organizations where I'm liked and there's harmony and everyone's happy and I'm so comfortable. And I had to take notice of 
me doing this because I wasn't growing my career. I wasn't being strategic. And what we need to look at is what do we need to grow in our career and which uncomfortable positions do we have to take so that we develop the things we are lacking And it's not about keeping everyone happy. Sometimes we're going to have to make tough decisions, but that's how we grow. The moment there's too much comfort in your life, then I believe you're not growing and you're not progressing. So again, rule number two for me is, you know, stop being so modest. And modesty versus personal mojo is something we should always reflect on in our career. For me, uh, embodiments of being modest is using the word just. I just want to ask you something or I just quickly want to do this or that sort of thing. And I think that's a word we completely have to eliminate from our vocabulary. Take just out and say what you want to say. You are so spot on. I love that. So the other thing we usually say is, I'm sorry, I have a question. I have this so often. I had a senior executive, which brings me to the next point is, She was a senior executive in the boardroom and excellent at what she does. But every single time she would be, sorry, this, sorry, that. And and so I just called her aside and I said, is it okay if I give you some feedback? You know, I love what you're doing and you're great. But I think that if I was doing something, you would definitely tell me um, that I need to adjust it. So um, I told her, listen, Jane. I've I've been observing you and we knew we don't know each other that well. I think you're excellent at what you're doing. However, I've noticed you saying sorry all the time. Or I just have a question. And based on, you know, the the room around, I can tell that it just makes you lose credibility. So you are a senior person at the boardroom table. Just ask the question. Stop apologizing. Stop apologizing. Just ask your question. It's a simple adjustment. Yeah. Hey, what was the third rule? Yeah, so the third rule is <laughs> something which I, which I guess we all do. And this rule is really called hard work versus being politically savvy. So I usually ask this question, like, do you believe that hard work is the way you're going to get your promotion? What do you think? No, definitely not. If I just look at my career progression as well, it's you can work really, really hard. But that's not going to get you to the next level. You have to think about where you fit into the organization, what value you're bringing. It's about who you know a lot of the time as well, not just not just working really, really hard. You're spot on. And, and that's true. So most people are under this perception that, okay, if I work really hard, they're going to see what I'm doing. And it's the number one mistake we make. We feel that if we stay with these organizations for a long period of time and we work really hard, that's how you can get promoted. And I unfortunately fell into that trap, just thought that my hard work was going to get me the recognition I needed. It was only until I noticed um, certain things, like I, I hated politics. When people said politics, I was like, no, I'm not going to get involved with that. You know, that that's just something that's taboo. I'm just going to do my hard work and I'm going to get the success I need. And it didn't work out that way because once you get to a senior executive level, you you need to be street savvy. You need to know different things. And some of the stuff um, that's really worked for me is I had a colleague and uh, his name was Todd. And whenever we'd go for executive meetings, I would see people taking each other apart. And I would say, hey, Todd, I think this is what's happening. And nine out of 10 times, I was always wrong. And Todd would be, no, this isn't happening. This and this would happen. And every single time he was right. So sometimes 
<clears throat> being political isn't or being politically savvy isn't about being political it's about understanding what's happening behind the scenes and being aware of it if you get involved with the politics then you're being political but it politically savvy is just knowing the dynamics and understanding it so having Todd on my side he was able to help me understand what happens in front of the curtain and what happens behind the curtain for instance how were decisions made how do you get promoted who do you speak to um some of the things that were were really critical for me was when decisions are made in the boardroom he would explain to me that decisions are not made there it's either after the meeting or before the meeting so i had to be very clear was i if i was not invited to the meeting after the meeting or before the meeting then my voice was not going to be heard on the table so i had to be very clear on how decisions were being made what's happening before and after and how do i navigate through this so i spent a lot of time observing this looking at how other people did it and just being more aware and something we do really all the time in our personal lives is we are politically savvy when we want to get our kid into that great school we go we know which teachers to speak to we know who to influence we know the dynamics of how things work but when we need to be politically savvy in our work uh, or in our career then we really shy away from that so it's not that women can't do it i think we just feel it's a taboo uh, taboo item and we should we should just think differently we should not believe that hard work is the only thing that's going to get us recognized being politically savvy is imperative know who makes the decisions how are they getting ahead what do you need to do don't get political but be politically savvy yeah if you don't know the landscape i mean you don't you don't have to be the political person but if you don't know the landscape and how you fit into that then you're always going to be in the dark you're not going to know what's happening in the organization so it's good to know who's out there what power do they have how do they influence others and if you're working within that landscape you need to understand who you need to speak to to get the stuff done that you need to get done and a lot of the time it's about opening doors for others to be able to do their work if you don't know who the ones are who can open the doors then you're going to be in the dark all the time so important for us just to have mentors in and out of the organization because if you're not comfortable with that in your organization then ask people how they navigated through being politically savvy there's no way that you're going to get to the c-suite without being politically savvy we need to know how to influence decisions observe navigate and progress from there and build relationships and you have to figure out how do you build rapport with people and get to know them on a level that you can at least converse and that you know they understand who you are and who they are you don't have to be friends but it's good to build those sort of relationships to be able to move forward i think and now that you part of wimsa and all the things that you guys are doing it really ties into that so that broad network of ladies is is something we can tap into and i i like to encourage more ladies to take on some mentees and you also going to gain more exposure so so i've 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 recommended the grow model so if everybody would like that you, you know you you can feel free to just circulate it to the ladies but we should start somewhere and look at how we can influence other ladies in the industry to make a positive difference i think that's a really good recommendation so i would encourage any of our listeners who aren't members of wimsa to join up and to become a men- member because you can then get access to a lot of our mentoring circles and our networking events My book will be out in December, so it will be available at all exclusive books and national bookstores 
all around and on Amazon. So if people wanted to know more about you, Ramesha, where could they find out more about you? I have a website. It's www.ramishamotilal.co.za. And I have a Facebook page, which I have a lot of followers on. It's Ramesha Motilal. And I'm on Instagram and LinkedIn. So people can reach out and on all the social media platforms. And I'm happy to help in any way. Thanks very much for joining us in the studio. been listening to another episode from the Solid Gold Podcast Studios.